the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. You can sign up there for the daily email that I send out each morning at 8 a.m. East Coast time. You can also uh, there uh, see all the segments, the links to segments that we've been recording. Lots of great segments, great interviews. Uh, I often think of my friend John Cribb, the author of Old Abe, a wonderful historical uh, novel. And really good about Abe Lincoln from the time he was nominated for president until he was killed. It really won well done. And, and he's got John Cribb's got two or three interviews over there at ProAmericaReport.com. You could check them out. So uh, please do. And uh, again, sign up for the daily email. You won't regret it because each morning, 8 a.m. East Coast time, I send out what you need to know. The Daily Wink, the Daily Wink, W-Y-N-K, what you need to know. And that will give you a few links, a few key thoughts and a way to think about the rest of your day in terms of policy, politics, what's happening in the culture. And so today. Today, let's talk about what's happening in Florida, where the Florida legislature, somewhat conservative, led by Republicans, and the Florida governor, Governor uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, has uh, they've passed a law that has been brilliantly characterized by the media and the left. It's a brilliant trick. They say that the bill says the law says don't say gay. And so nobody in America, well, it's not fair, 97% of anyone who has heard about this issue has no idea what's in the law, but they just know, wow, somebody passed a law that says you're not supposed to say in school anything about gay. Isn't that incredible? Well, it's a lie, of course. It's a simplistic uh, slogan to try to hide what's really going on. But I tell you what, back to our point, it's very effective. What's very effective about it is I don't think there's a single person, is there? Is there a single person who wants to be uh, out there in the public saying things like, oh, you're not allowed to say the word gay or you're not allowed to refer? Nobody wants to do that. By the way, some people may actually have beliefs about that, but they're not going to want to say it. They're going to want to stay quiet. They're going to want to stay out of the way of the fray. They're going to want to stay out of the blast zone. And, you know, we were talking yesterday on this segment, What You Need to Know, about this gentleman from Delaware, uh, Mr. Isaac, and uh, coverage. And we're going to talk in a few moments with John Nolte of Breitbart.com, who did this long interview, long-form interview with this uh, this man who's uh, in his 40s, ran a business for almost a decade, and has been run out of business, run out of town, and basically had his life ruined because he did the right thing, but it hurt the wrong people, and so for, therefore he has had to pay. And he's been targeted. And the lesson to the American people is don't do the right thing. If it hurts the wrong people, just put your head down and move on. Move on, little fella. Move on, little little girl, little boy. Stay away. That's what the language of something like don't say gay, because what Ron DeSantis signed into law and what the legislature passed was a bill that said for very young kids, I think ages three to five, maybe, maybe I, I'm not even an expert on the bill, but it's young, young children in schools. You're not supposed to do this education stuff that has to do with gender and has to do with uh, sexual choices and all that because they're too young. That's the judgment of the legislature. Now, I don't know 
what educators are, are pushing back on that and saying, no, 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 it's a really good time, age three to five years old, to be doing teaching about sexuality. It really, it helps kids uh, form well. Maybe there are some. I haven't seen them. But it's just being characterized as bigoted. It's being characterized as anti-something. When what it really is, is pro-family, pro-parents, pro-kid. Because the parents should be in charge of discussions about anything, but especially about sensitive subjects. And, and if the parents are wanting to have a conversation at age three to five, five years old, about things like sexual choice and gender, I'd be surprised at that. And I might even be willing to say, maybe we should have a law that says those parents need a little bit of an evaluation because that doesn't seem healthy for the kid. But that's a different bill. That's a different bill than objecting somehow as draconian and terrible and fascist to say young kids should not be talked to about these subjects by the school teachers, by the school administrators, by the phys ed guy, whatever. I mean, and then characterize, back to my point, characterizing it as, as uh, don't say gay. It's the same trick to use the power of the cancel culture. It's not a cancel culture, though. It's a it's a it's a stand back, step back culture. They want you to step back from the high cost of saying what you believe and arguing for what you want and being an advocate for what you think is best for you and your family and your kids. That's what they want. And who is it that is they? I don't know if you could somehow stop the world right now and say who's on which side. Does anybody really think that the majority of parents and family members and and even teachers in Florida is on the side of 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 that uh, three to five year olds should be taught about all this stuff? I doubt it. It's an active slice of the community that knows what. If they make noise, they can hurt people. If they make noise, they can diminish objections. I do think we should say that the speed with which the uh, transgender and homosexual rights and all this sexual discussion, the speed with which that has been forced onto the American people is stunning. And I think most Americans would at least would prefer that the conversation be happening at a slower pace, if not stopped, and they can't express that because the high cost of doing that. The high cost of objecting to the cancel culture is it's too, it's too much for most people. And it's, it, it, you know, it was evidence. I've told this before. I did an interview this morning on a radio station out of Indiana, uh, Indianapolis. And, um, uh, and if you're a Trump supporter, you lost friends over Trump. They were watching CNN and they were watching MSNBC and they were watching whatever. And they came back and said, you, you're, a, you're a racist. You're a sexist. You're an act. You're an ist because you supported Trump. And I'd be like, I, I don't support everything, all his policies. But, yeah, I do. And they say, oh, you know, you can't be a good person if you're that way. Really? Really? And now you're in a position where if you say, I would rather have more control for parents, more control for home life. I would rather have certain conversations not take place at such a young age, you're a bigot. That's what they're doing here. And again, so the range of impact, the range of impact to people is some people are in jail. 
see the January 6th crew. Some people are dragged through grand juries and other things. You know, go go look at uh, um, uh, Roger Stone and every other Trump uh, person. Some people are vilified on social media. Usually that's a lower cost, but it can bother some people a lot. Some people lose book deals. Some people lose jobs. Some people lose uh, possibility of income, right? All those kinds of range of things. Some people lose family members. They, they have ruptures in their family over issues. Destruction is what this culture fosters and the range can go from the the uh the guy up in delaware who who lost his business because he had hunter biden's laptop right all the way down to people that the, the young man who killed himself who was being uh uh, uh arrested or whatever it was for january 6th uh, you know and again that's not to excuse any of that it's just all tragedy and you watch it happen you say why do people want to do this what is it about people that they want to keep doing this Keep driving people apart and driving people crazy. And then they come for the kids. And, you know, I'm going to interview uh, Rebecca Friedrichs, who is one of the participants in a in a new documentary, new movie with Alex Newman and uh, Dr. Carol Swain and others about this, about how, you know, parents are motivated to take back their school systems. And I hope they are. I see some of it. But I don't know if it's sustained yet. Because example after example including what they're doing in Florida to try to make it something that's common sense for the people there, their legislators, their governor, not yours. If you're in California, it hasn't happened there, but there, that's what they want. And you're called a bigot for it. And they raise the cost. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's terrible. It's the power of the narrative machine. All right. That's what you need to know today. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We've got um, Hugh Brown from the American Life League talking in a minute. He, he lays it. He lays the wood on some of the people that are funding abortion and uh, and a lot more. We'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. And a few, I don't know, a month or two ago, we talked with Hugh Brown of the American Life League. Uh, he's the executive vice president there. And we talked then, I think, about maybe about some of the Supreme Court um, issues or uh, the upcoming Dobbs decision. But earlier this week, he had a comment that he put out, which I thought was very helpful. Uh, it's almost like everybody shies away. And I want to talk about it. Mackenzie Scott, who was married to Jeff Bezos and is worth, I don't know, $100 billion herself or out of no, I think I know it's $55 billion, something like that. And, and, um, and so uh, Hugh Brown of the American Life League said that this, she, she gave a massive donation to Planned Parenthood, Mackenzie Scott. And then what is stunning to me is she bragged about it. You know, it's I don't know what feels like in the old days, people gave their money and sort of went away quiet. I don't know. They didn't want to. And she bragged about it and said how important it is two hundred and seventy five million dollars. And uh, Hugh Brown had the smarts and the courage and the uh, insight to call it blood money. And so uh, welcome. First of all, Hugh Brown, executive vice president, of American Life League. How are you, sir? I'm great, Ed. Thank you so much for having me. Well, um, American Life League, uh, it's important. Uh, A-L-L dot com. Is that right? Or dot, is that right? Am I getting it right? Sorry. Uh, uh, A-L-L dot org. Oh, A-L-L dot org. Thank you. That's better. Non-profit status usually signaled by that. So um, the do-gooders, A-L-L dot org. Um, American Life League is important. One thing about you guys, you all, your organization, is you've never held back. You've never said, oh, well, now's a moment we can sort of all thank the goodness. Uh, thank goodness we got, you know, something you, you, you've said from the beginning. This is murder. 
babies being aborted, aborted is murder. It's killing. And therefore, we ought to raise our um, energy level, if not our rhetoric, to call it thus. I, so I applaud you on that. Um, and then so uh, Mackenzie Scott, how's it blood money? How, how, how does she answer that, do you think? I'm not sure how she answers that. I don't know how I don't know how on good conscience Ed, you can give a dollar to Planned Parenthood. Uh, you know, the, I, I may have mentioned earlier when we spoke that, you know, they have the perception in the community, uh, I guess, in the, the public eye, rather, that they are. The, you just use the word do gooders, that they're somehow out there doing, you know, doing doing good things. And they're not right. This is an organization that murders essentially the population of Pittsburgh every year. 300 to wow. 350,000 people in their own facilities. That doesn't count all of the other organizations that they support. It doesn't include all of the things that they're involved in from uh, this now, what they call tele, telemed, telehealth, where they're sending pills to God knows who, right? How do you know who's on the other end receiving this? Is it a 14-year-old, an 18-year-old? I mean, Planned Parenthood has never had morality in anything. So to give $256 million, it's interesting because I went to our research and I wanted to know, okay, I've heard a lot of different numbers. What does Planned Parenthood charge a young woman for an abortion? Then numbers all over the place. On their, on their website, it says it depends on, number one, is it, is it a first trimester, a second trimester, a third trimester? It depends on your health insurance and all these other factors. And so somewhere between $750 and $1,500 is their, that, those are their numbers. So if you just use $1,000 as an average, which, which is you know, a little bit to the lower side of, of what the, those two average out to be, you're talking about this woman funding the death of 256,000 people on her own. And that's assuming that that's a good number. I'm sure they do it for less. I'm sure that the, as corrupt as they are, they've overcharged you and me for a lifetime through Medicaid, Medicare, tax dollars, all these things, because they slaughter children for a living. So you can't put anything past them. How could you believe anything they say? It's, it's just an evil, corrupt organization. And we're talking again now with uh, Hugh Brown, the executive vice president of the American Life League. Go to ALL.org. Check out their writings, their work, uh, what they're doing. Um, again, how about this, Hugh? You know, you've again, you've been an observer your whole life, really, since you were a boy uh, in this fight and, and, and being involved. Um, it's it, I, one indication of how far we've come and not a good way is people brag about it. People brag about giving to Planned Parenthood. I guess your point earlier, in a way, was that they want you to think they're giving to an education foundation that does good, and they want to they want you to look away from the abortion. But I mean, I don't know. It used to be that uh, I guess the left would go crazy when they hear me say this. They they didn't they don't want us to go to back alley abortions uh, because it was I don't know secret because there was shame. Now there's not even shame. She's bragging about it. Mackenzie Scott is bragging about what she's doing. It's absolutely just the, the death of conscience, right? I mean, they, they don't plan anything. They're, they're not planning parenthood, right? They're planning the, the, the murder of children. Uh, the, the name itself is an oxymoron. They, they are an evil, corrupt cartel. You know, they have slaughtered people from, from, the, from day one. Uh, you know, Margaret Sanger, their founder, was instrumental um, in the legalization and the promotion initially of uh, birth control and then sterilizations of minorities, which she called for. People don't want to talk about who she was. You know, you, you talk about racist, right? 
if you and I say we're opposed to abortion today, if you if you are opposed to anything that's immoral, you're essentially a racist or a phobe. I mean, it's a lie right. of the devil. Right. But right. this is a this is a woman who called black people weeds. Right. That right. abortion was intended to give us less of those types of people. Those are her words. Right. And right. so they have done nothing, nothing but perpetuate that. I mean, the statistics are what they are. The percentage of, 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 of African-Americans in America is somewhere around 14 percent. Yet it's almost 40 percent of all abortions. And that's mm-hmm. intentional. It's targeted. It's eugenics. And it is just evil. And we have to call it what it is. Um, when you see that kind of money uh, coming into an organization, again, um, we're, we're talking with uh, Hugh Brown, who's the executive vice president of the American Life League. American Life League is one of the longest uh, standing, um, earliest founded organizations fighting for pro-life in the country. Um, but when you see that kind of money going in there and, you know, I know our listeners probably know they'll know now that every Planned Parenthood chapter gets lots of money from the local community and the state community. They all, they get it from the feds too right now with uh, Biden in. But when you see that kind of money, um, Hugh, do you sit back? I know you, you're the kind of guy that says, Hey, give me, give me odds that are long and I'll take it. Cause I know I'm going to fight harder than everybody else. I know I've heard you I've watched your videos and things, but when you look at that, you say, man, when they, when, they, when they have people that are willing to say, I'll give you $275 million and most of our organizations are, <laughs> are operating on one one thousandth of that or less. Uh, don't you get sort of daunted? Don't you get kind of like, oh, man, this is this. These, these odds are long. Absolutely not. Look, I, I, <laughs> I think of it this way. Right. So in, in scripture, they're the disciples, you know, Peter, who I think we can all relate to. Right. You want you want to be on fire. But at the same time, we're constantly stumbling over ourselves. Right. You know, Peter's talking to Christ about, hey, we have to pay this tax. And he sends Peter down to, to, to the water and says, you know, catch a fish. And, and he pulls a coin out of the mouth of a fish. That's what God thinks of money. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, 200, I said, I said 256, forgive me. You're right. It's $275 million, um, a 2.75 billion. To me, it's irrelevant because the fight is what it is. It certainly makes our work that much more important. Um, but we know it, at the end of the day, the Lord has put us here in this hour for a reason. Um, and as we sit here and work through Lent, a time where we're trying you know, and spend as much time as we can reflecting on that suffering that Christ went through for us. And then when it hits home with us trying to live our lives and be good witnesses to other others, that means that people like her, imagine if she converted, right? Imagine if she heard this interview. Imagine if she read comments that weren't favorable and actually thought for a moment, right, that I am helping to pay for the deaths of children. And then she might say, well, how's that possible? Because you have situations like California, right, a state that has totally lost its soul, where the governor and the supported by the legislature is saying we're going to make California an abortion sanctuary state where it depending on what happens in June with the Dobbs case, we will fly people in from all over America, maybe even the world, right? right? And we will pay for their abortion. We'll put them up in hotels. We'll kill their kid. We'll feed these people, send them home. That's what that type of money allows, right? And it is absolute evil. I call, we have referred to Planned Parenthood as a cartel because that's exactly what they are. They're in collusion with local governments, with states, with the federal government, with the Department of Justice, for God's sakes. I mean, how can they slaughter people and then sell their, the pieces of their bodies, right, 
and nobody be held accountable. Illegal activity after illegal activity, but you know, the world yawns, Ed. So we've got to, we've got to talk about it. We've got to do something. The Lord's put us here for a reason. If nothing else, if we can wake up just a single person, I mean, that's that's better than none. Yeah, um, yeah, no. So, so, yeah. So, Hugh Brown, uh, and and I'm glad your voice is out there, Hugh, and I'm glad you're. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and and being willing to get out there like you do. Um, one last question for you guys. Uh, when you see this, I've had on a number of different pro life groups. I'm fascinated by this moment. Right, there's a good chance that Dobbs will help um, dramatically. Maybe it's maybe it's the maybe it reverses Roe v. Wade. I, I think it will, but who knows? I mean, we got to pray on it. But I, I'm watching these pro life groups, different approaches, and I keep coming back to. The the other side, you know, the the devil moves. Um, it doesn't sit around and go, "Oh, you're about to win." Okay, he goes on. And one of the things that's happened in the in the pandemic was the relaxation of the rules about mailing um, abortifacient drugs, abortion drugs to people in the mail. And then Biden wins the election, and he allows that to continue. And so now we have Planned Parenthood saying, "We're going to get an app." We're going to ha- let you use the app. We'll ask you to confirm your birth date, which is nonsense, of course. It's like when you sneak into a, the Budweiser.com website by putting in a birth date that you know. And and then that we're going to mail to you based on telemedicine, a doctor in Guadalajara. No disrespect to Guadalajara. but And they're going to say, oh, yeah, you're, you're definitely pregnant. I see the test. Therefore, you're eligible for abortion. Just sit tight. You'll get the drugs in the mail the next three days. And And that... And so, you know, I hate to say it this way. You're taking out the middleman, less people participating in murder, maybe, but you get making it easier for people to to do that killing. And and, and I really don't know if anybody quite has a handle on what's what that's going to mean. Well, Ed, that, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, my daughter, one of my, my children that works here, you know, she she did some research and uncovered not only Ed is, is the app available, but the app was created. And the planning and the transition of moving to uh, being able to send those uh, uh, pills that basically, you know, terminate, a, kill a child. All of that began in 2018, 19. And, and listen to this, w- was launched just before the, the whole world in this nation was shut down in March of 2020. So is that a coincidence? I mean, it's, it's, it's evil. It's already in play. They're already saying, because their numbers are behind, that for 2020, I think 56% of their abortions were telemed. So mm. it's already in play, Ed. And, you know, Dobbs, who knows what's going to happen. But even if Roe versus Wade is overturned, that simply puts the fight back on the states. And it doesn't mean that the killing is going to stop. We, we have got to educate people until people listening to this, people that of goodwill are able to help convert the hearts and minds and understanding of, of people that support abortion that we're talking about a human being until that happens and they'll never, they'll never stop. You can outlaw it tomorrow. They're not going to stop. They're going to dare you to stop. Them, yeah. Right? And the no. administration and justice department, they don't have the will. Yep. So it's yeah. evil. Yeah. Pray against it, work against it. Yep. Well, listen, thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate it again. Uh, we'll put people is where to go. Uh, Hugh Brown, uh, executive vice president of American life league. Thanks for your time, sir. We'll have you on again soon. And I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. All right. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it's a chance to catch up with our old friend, John Nolte. And John Nolte, John, I have to tell you that uh, today, it's an interesting one because 
The story I wanted to talk to you about, I saw that you wrote on this, of course, over at Breitbart.com is where uh, John Nolte is, and writing about Hunter Biden's laptop and about the, the it, you had an, you have an interview with the man, I think his name is Mr. Isaac. I don't know, couldn't tell by, he's got a couple of names, if there's a, how, which is the right way to pronounce it, but um, a right way to describe his name. But I got an e- a call uh, uh, this morning from another journalist saying, hey, uh, would you come on my show and talk about the Hunter Biden laptop and uh, specific about what happened with the owner? And I said, don't talk to me, talk to John Nolte, who's over at Breitbart.com. So, John, welcome back to the program. And this story, um, in some ways, this was known um, but now that we know that the Hunter Biden laptop was actually, you know, has now been admitted, we all, many of us knew it was real. Um, you kind of went back to speak to this shop owner and um, tell me, first of all, I described it as his life has been sort of destroyed. And then I backed off and I said, well, of course, he's going to have a life and family and friends, but it really did. It's a perfect example of somebody who got really put out of business, run out of town and everybody forgot about him. Yeah, this was a guy who, if you listen to his story and there's been nothing to nothing to contradict this, who was put into a frightening and impossible situation. A drunk Hunter Biden came in, gave the guy the laptop signed. He needed the data recovered. So he signed Hunter Biden signed a, a, a slip saying, yes, you can look at the data. And as is standard practice at any machine shop, I don't care if you're taking in your lawnmower or your computer, right? Uh, Hunter Biden agreed that if he didn't pay the bill within 90 days, that ownership would revert to the to the repair guy. So the 90 days pass, and all of a sudden, this everyday guy who had a small Mac shop in uh, in, in Wilmington, Delaware, um, has this explosive piece of material that shows this, not not just all the porn, which he wasn't too concerned with, the private life is a private life, but all of this corruption that directly related to what he was hearing in the news about Burisma and Hunter Biden and all that stuff. And think of all the choices he could have made. He could have gone the WikiLeaks route and dumped it all online. He's a computer guy. He knows he knows how to do that stuff. Um, he could have ran to um, part to to, uh, to to the to the media and said, "I got this." He could, you know, there's all kinds of stuff he could have done. But what did he do? He spent a year trying to get the FBI to pay attention to this because he knew he had in his hands crimes, all this money, all this influence, all this stuff that was just totally hinky. And he spent a year trying to get the FBI to do the right thing, um, and they wouldn't do the right thing. Then he went to Congress and tried to get Congress to listen to it. They wouldn't listen to it. And finally, he ended up going to, uh, to Rudy Giuliani because Rudy Giuliani was President Trump's lawyer. Right. And what else was he supposed to do at that point? And he, you know, he could still dump it all online, and, he, and yeah. he hasn't done this. So this guy did the right thing all along. And what did he get in return? His entire life was destroyed. He might lose his house. He lost his business, his reputation. He's constantly under attack because Twitter called this a hacked material, which it wasn't. He's being attacked online daily as a criminal because the these uh, corrupt 50 intelligence people said it was Russian disinformation. He's being attacked as a Russian stooge, as Putin stooge. The guy's reputation is gone. His business is gone. And all he did was the right thing. 
Uh, we're talking with John Nolte, senior writer over Breitbart.com. Uh, I'm looking at his page there, which is Breitbart.com uh, slash author slash John Nolte. You can find it there and click through. He's got uh, unbelievable stuff. He's writing all the time. Uh, so it's, it's great, John. And and uh, also on Twitter, at Nolte NC, uh, North Carolina is where he's from. Um, John, uh, when I read this, again, the piece over at Breitbart.com, you're interviewing this uh, man. And I, I have to say, that's pretty good. It's really powerful because you're, you're good at asking questions. As a journalist, you're not just saying, hey, what's going on? Um, but when I read that, um, it's, it's, sort of the, it's sort of the best example of where we are in the modern uh, moment. Because he's, he's been sort of put out there as, a, as someone who, here's what happens if you do the right thing. As you say, he never went for the big play. He didn't sell it to anybody. You didn't see him on, uh, on testifying uh, before the Brett Kavanaugh hearings or, or running around on CNN like Avenatti. He didn't do any of that. And, and he did the right thing. And yet the message is do the right thing and do it correctly. You, you will be, you will pay a high, high cost, a high, high price. It'll be a high cost. That's the way this works right now. Right. I mean, in some ways, when I read your piece, I was like, holy cow, you know, Nolte got all this stuff. But I thought also that's what they want. They want everybody to see. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to put my head up. Right. I mean, it's just going to don't do the right thing if it's against the wrong person. Yeah, they destroyed an everyday guy who did the right thing. They destroyed an everyday man who didn't try to profit from this. He wouldn't even accept expense money from Rudy Giuliani's lawyer, Bob Costello. Yeah, he just wanted to do the right thing and they destroyed him for it. Um, and that's what our institutions in this country have become. That's what our intelligence institutions have become. That's what the media institutions have become, the Democrat Party. They will annihilate a human being in order to protect a powerful piece of garbage like Joe Biden. And that's what matters to them. When it comes to pursuing their agenda, they don't care about morality. Their, their morality, the media's morality, the corporate media's morality the, the deep state's morality, the Democrat Party morality, Hollywood's morality is instituting their agenda. And they don't care who they destroy um, in, in order to do that, including a guy who's legally blind and, and who did nothing, nothing wrong. He behaved better than I would have in that situation. I would have been very tempted. Well, and so that's that's what I want to ask you, John, because you've been an observer. We're talking with John Nolte, senior writer over Breitbart.com and uh, also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, but, John, you've seen a lot of stuff over years. You've covered a lot of people and seen, hey, this is what they did. And this is this is so this is I know it's Monday morning quarterback. It's 2020 hindsight. But if you look at it now, what could he have done differently? And if he had done something differently, how could it have changed? Was his mistake going to the FBI? Because that was the whole, would it have been smarter to go to a, I don't know, a reporter earlier? I, what do you, if you look backwards and say, where was the pivot? It feels like the FBI is the place where they let it sink into a hole because they knew it was powerful people and figured, you know, we know how to do this. We'll wait this out. That feels like the, the, the pivot. What do you think? Yeah, I asked him that. I said, what would you do different if you could? Right. And he said that I would have, I would have run this on two tracks or sooner. The first track would have been going to the FBI and the second track would have been getting it to Giuliani, the president's attorney. And I think I think that probably would have been the best thing to do. But I think for his reputation um, and for his peace of mind, I think he did the right thing, um, you know, that he did what a citizen should do, which is always to try to do the right thing. And I give him a lot of credit for that because nobody can say that he got his piece on the, his hands on this piece of political dynamite and either tried to financially or um, 
politically benefit from it. I'm assuming he's a Trump supporter. Right. I didn't ask him that. But what I, you know, I just wanted this guy to tell his own story. I've done a lot of these long form interviews. I haven't done one in a while. And usually it's a discussion I'll have, you know, with a Chuck Todd or a Seth MacFarlane. Right. And this one, I just wanted to hear his story. I just wanted to, for him to tell the story. And it, you know, and it, we had about a, about an hour conversation and I really didn't know what I had until, until I started listening to it and editing to it. And then I just realized that this guy is just so compelling because he's such a good man. Yeah. Did you, uh, when you finish it, the interview, and I know, you know, edited for clarity and all, but um, you say at the end, the country owes you an apology. And he, and, you, and he says, only half the country owes me an apology. And he keeps going on. It, he seems upbeat. Um, so first of all, I have two questions on this. One, um, he seems upbeat. Is he, is he a positive guy in the face of all this stuff? Is he, or is he, is he, is he uh, more despondent? And, and my second question to you, John, again, you observed, observed a lot of these things. A guy like him, He's not trendy. So he, besides you writing about him, and now maybe you'll get more attention, he's kind of faded. And frankly, he's a soldier left on the battlefield again by the people who say doing the right thing for, for the right, you know, for the reason because it's right is supposed to be done. I don't see a GoFundMe for him. I don't see, um, you know, a, a, a legal defense fund for him or a, or a let us keep your mortgage for him. And so, first of all, is he, what's his mindset? How does he sound? And then second is, how do we keep doing this to the to people that do the right thing? Yeah, he, I was very surprised, you know, in, in my business, I spent so much time looking at the left that you kind of get used to, to being hit with this victim mentality. Yeah. And everyone who has, the, you know, the first opportunity that they have to pose as a victim and to claim victimhood, they do. So talking to him, that was the thing that surprised me the most is that he does not, you know, he knows what happened to him, but he's not licking his wounds. He's not crybabying. Um, he's taken it like an adult. Um, and I saw the same thing with Emma Jo Morris. She's she's our she works for us now at Breitbart. But I did a piece on her before this one because she's the one who broke the story at uh, at at uh, the New York Post. And she was smeared, of course, as a Russian right. stooge by the right, media. Right. And same thing with her is that, you know, they, no one owes me an apology. They owe the country an apology. So this guy's handling it well. He seems to have a good sense of what the future holds for him. Um, and his friend did set up an account for him if people want to donate money. And it's, it's, a, oh, it's in the interview. Yeah, I remember that. I just mean, I just mean that, you know, you don't get, frankly, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I, the, when, you know, when we circle the wagons and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him. Yeah. Is because I agree with you that he just wasn't, no one has really given this guy his due. Well, and, and again, we're talking with John Nolte, and I'll let you go in a minute, John. I'm going on long, but uh, um, uh, John, you know, I, 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 my listeners get tired of it, but I, I talk about how this um, Volokh Havel piece from the 1970s, behind the communist curtain, he was talking about self-censorship, and he said the the storefront owner, I don't know if you've ever seen that essay, I'll send it to you, the storefront owner who puts out a sign that says, grocery store owner that says, uh, Workers of the World Unite, and Havel says he doesn't care about Workers of the World Unite. He's giving a signal to the powers that be that he understands his spot, and to the shoppers that they can come in safely. And what I see going on in the culture is 
there's famous people that are canceled. They say something dumb and they're rushed off the stage, you know, and we know them, uh, Roseanne, whatever. And that's ridiculous a lot of times. But there's a lot of people that are not canceled. They're just they just get their tail kicked in and and we and there's nowhere for them to go. And pretty quickly you realize I don't want to be that guy. Right. So I don't want to be that guy. So everyone sort of takes a step back and it's a kind of cultural. You don't have to be canceled. You, you don't have to fear canceling. You just fear the the, the uh, friction of having to deal with it. And I see that. I think that's more and more. So I, I, I think you're r- writing about this guy and getting him out there a little bit and people calling me to say, hey, we talk about this because you're the first one that's been writing about him uh, specifically. So it's good. It's a it's a good service. So thanks for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you, too. Right? They, they, they deliberately do this to terrify people and they deliberately turn uh, you know, a little a little piece of garbage like Vinman into a folk hero, right? Right. To encourage right. people to attack to attack the right, but people on, yeah. on the right who does this is is demonized and destroyed. And you're right. Right. They do it to black people too, black conservatives. We see right. that in the Clarence Thomas now. Well, but you know what? It make me laugh because uh, if you're Vinman, you get a book deal, right? If you're if you're Comey, you get a a multi million dollar book deal, and you teach ethics at William and Mary. But if you're Jeff Sessions, who serves you know admirably in one of the historic moments in history, I don't think he's got a book deal. I mean, you know, my and and you know, I don't have to tell you. We're talking John Nolte at Breitbart. Breitbart, they love to. Everybody tries to come and get you guys. It's like a band of of brothers and sisters that don't care what what they come for. You just keep going. So it's uh. It is. It's important. So thanks, John. I got to run. Uh, John Nolte, everybody, a senior writer over at Breitbart.com. I'll put it all up on social media. Follow him. He writes a lot of good stuff. Uh, thanks again, John. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. At the U.S. Supreme Court's hearing on President Joe Biden's suffocating COVID regulations, the most prominent two words in the view of the court's majority seem to be, who decides? In other words, is this an issue that the federal executive should decide, or one that the states or even Congress should decide? This two-word question has application far beyond COVID mandates. For example, the Constitution and two centuries of tradition confirm that the states decide election procedures and that they have the authority to prevent and punish misconduct. Transparency should be mandated by all state legislatures in order to deter and drive out fraud. Panicked by the poll numbers showing how many people recognize pervasive election fraud, liberals found little-known Senator Mike Rounds, Republican of South Dakota, to declare that the 2020 election was in fact fair. But the senator has not audited any ballots cast in battleground regions, and President Trump fitly responded by observing that Rounds just went woke. States should reform their laws to restore the authority of state legislatures to pick the slate of presidential electors and, if necessary, to override reported results that were tainted by lack of verification. This is not a matter to be left in the hands of unaccountable courts or election officials. Picking the next president is far too important an issue for state legislatures to delegate to another branch of government. And Trump stands by to endorse the opponent of any Republican who foolishly obstructs legislation for election integrity. Trump has a nearly perfect track record of success by his endorsements of candidates for the good reason that restoring secure elections is a top priority of the American people, too. The all important question of who decides is one that every grassroots activist should pay attention to. It may be the role of the states to decide matters of election integrity. 
But it is the role of the active citizen to decide that we will not be governed by cowards and paper pushers. Don't just stand around complaining how somebody should do something about election integrity. You do something. Let your state legislators know you want your elections to be secure and be vigilant to make sure they follow through. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. American citizenship should never be taken lightly. That's why you need to go to phyllisschlafly.com and be part of the dialogue on the need for border security and an accurate census, the travesty of sanctuary cities, and voting rights for illegals. Voice your opinion at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Pro, pro, excuse me, Pro-America Report. As we wrap things up today, um, let me um, alert you and encourage you. These things seem to go in cycles, right, in terms of the attention on uh, various entities. And I have not heard as much. I still look at Breitbart.com every day, but I haven't heard as much about them. You know, it's like in the old days, Drudge Report was what everybody looked at every day. And for a period of time, Breitbart.com was the sort of go-to site for conservative center-right. Foxnews.com, I think, has gets a lot of attention. Um, the Gateway Pundit gets some attention. Uh, but I just want to encourage you, Breitbart.com, when we listen to John Nolte, and you go check out Alex Marlowe and others, they just have high-quality investigative reporters. They have high-quality writing, and their angle in is just smart. John Nolte taking the time to do a long-form interview with Mr. Isaacs, the owner of that uh, business that was put out of business because of Hunter Biden. That's just smart journalism. It's interesting. It reminds me, again, of how important Breitbart.com is. So make sure to check that site out and um, and and support their readers and, and, and check. Joel Pollack is a national treasure. That guy's amazing. So um, that's my tip, a little Breitbart.com plug. And thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our fearless producer, and also Joanna Spilger, associate producer. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>